Hey guys, great to be live with you. I'm joined by two Project Veritas whistleblowers, HHS whistleblower Jody O'Malley and Google whistleblower Zach Voorhees. We know James O'Keefe pretty well, especially you two, probably know him better than me. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And so we're doing this because Project Veritas met with us whistleblowers last night. They wanted to call a Zoom meeting and kind of clarify things directly to us about what really went on with James O'Keefe, which was good to hear verbally from them because, you know, we've only heard verbally from James with his, his leaked video. So, um, it was Daniel Strack, the, uh, executive director of Project Veritas, who did the Zoom with us and explaining his side, the board's side, Project Veritas's side. Oh, Carrie Porch is going to join me too. Carrie is what up, uh, Carrie? CNN, CNN hey, whistleblower. How's it going, guys? Okay, check, so check. all right, who who wants to go first? What, uh, Jody? I know you got opinions on. I'll this go one. last. What? I'll go you'll, last. You'll go. <laughs> you'll go last. Um, yeah. So Daniel Strack came on, uh, had a Zoom call with us to sort of clarify the position of the company in relation to James O'Keefe. And uh, they went into some of the details uh, surrounding this. Um, and they said that, um, you know, James is, there's still a possibility that he could come back. His position was that James is not working with the board, um, is refusing to meet with them, and uh, that they're in limbo right now. But they feel that, they definitely feel that they can go and continue on without him. And it's my personal opinion that they believe that that they're going to do so and that they're preparing for the like a Project Veritas post James O'Keefe, which sounds absolutely insane to me that they're going to be able to do that. And if I could just go on a limb here, the problem is that, in my opinion, the company, you know, is treating James O'Keefe as if he was a hired CEO. Right. And right. That, yeah. And that's, and they're like, they're holding him to the standard of, you know, well, he's not doing the job becoming of a CEO and like, yeah, no kidding. He's, he's not like a CEO primarily. He's the founder the of found- the company with and the, the total driving face, the, the total identity of it. And I, and I brought this up to, to Daniel Strack that you realize it, Project Veritas's reputation without James is absolute garbage right now. Look at yeah. any comment online, anything they put out. Uh, the previous core audience is no longer going to care about or watch. They're, they're going to treat it. I think they're going to treat any Project Veritas news coverage right now similar to how the PV haters, the haters that PV has always had. Now everybody's a hater on the now left, the right? All the viewers are haters now. So the only way to repair that and have Project Veritas exist is if James O'Keefe comes back. The only way James O'Keefe goes back, comes back, as far as I can tell, is if the board resigns. Because it is a well, no, actually, right now. Here's the thing is that um, we looked at the details. It's not a unanimous decision to let go of James um, in order to suspend him. Like we looked at the, uh, at the meeting notes uh, because they keep minutes for these board of directors decisions. And uh, there's three in favor and two opposed. So the board is split with the tiebreaker going to remove James at this point. So they're, they're literally on the knife edge. If, if there's one flip, um, it goes to a 3-2 and James can be reinstated as uh, CEO of the company. 
That's oh. how close it is. There's not a united front. That's the biggest surprise to me that I was able to find out by reading through these uh, the, the documents that are available. Um, so just for people just joining, we met with the executive director of Project Veritas um, last night. This is his LinkedIn, Daniel Strack, and he's formerly of uh, Goldman Sachs on uh, Wall Street. And and he brought up last night these these theories that, um, you know, he or someone is somehow tied to Project Veritas, Goldman Sachs, or I'm sorry, tied to Pfizer. There's these theories about Pfizer, and he says that's that's complete garbage. We're not paid for by Pfizer. So he did re- respond to that to us. And uh, um, he also said that they put James O'Keefe on paid leave. James said, James actually showed when he, when James's meeting with his staff and saying goodbye earlier this week was leaked, this document was also leaked, which the, I guess this is the board meeting document that says, I, indefinite suspension of Mr. O'Keefe as CEO without compensation. So Daniel Strack is saying he is being paid while he's suspended. And so, yeah, that was the weirdest part about the whole thing is that Daniel Strack came on there and said, no, James is being paid. Um, you know, and it's very clear from the minutes that have been released that that's not the case that they, uh, at least at one point suspended him without pay. And What's interesting is why Dan didn't say that during the meeting. Um, you know, is that is he not aware? Did he not read? I mean, if if he's not aware of this, why would he take the opportunity to inform us about what's going on if he doesn't know what's going on? I'm wondering how much backpedaling might have actually happened when they first suspended him apparently without pay like it says i mean that's what the document shows it was without pay i I was wondering i wonder if they thought such a harsh suspension would bring james to his knees crawling back to them apologizing and knowing james he's not going to do that and then of course when he didn't do that then they panicked because not only did he not do that but the public response when the news hit the fan the first week of february the public was mad and they were, well, I heard that side. he actually did have a letter at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Jody. said he had it in his, um, in that YouTube video to the employees, James said that he wrote an email and he was apologetic to the CFO. I believe it was. Okay. Yeah. And then and they, what was Jody, what was, I'm unclear on exactly what happened. Did they not let him publish it or was it? No, they said that it wasn't sincere. It was sincere that this, um, you know, he, he got mad, right. He tried, he fired the CFO. Don't know all of the details surrounding that. Um, but that he realized that, you know, he was a little harsh and abrasive and in his YouTube video to the employees, he said that he wrote a letter and he apologized. And then, you know, a few days later, um, you know, he's getting off a plane and finding out that the board is having uh, a meeting. He gets there and he's like grueled for six hours. Grilled for six hours. Yeah. In a struggle session. Yeah. Right. With with a bunch of employees that not a bunch. I, I believe there was only six uh, that signed this this letter. Um, you know, that they were they had grievances against James and that the board was handling it. 
when that should have been an HR issue. The board, that you shouldn't have brought the owner of the company in to sit and listen to employees complain without going through the process of HR. And you know what I mean? And by the way, for people talking about Daniel Strack in the comments, um, uh, oops, it says uh, Daniel Strack is one of the liars behind getting rid of James. Um, that's uh, Mark's opinion. Now, Daniel Strack is not on the board. Yeah. As he explained to us last night, he's the executive director. So he's number two under James, I guess. And he sits in on board meetings, but he's not a, making board decisions. Um, now, I asked, now he brought up, he was talking last night about kind of what they were doing on putting James on suspension while they investigated these financial things that we're hearing about. Um, was Daniel Strack was trying to preserve Project Veritas's 501c3 status because I guess if spending is too reckless or something, if there's a percentage that's outside of the nonprofit's mission, then it can lose its nonprofit status. Apparently, that's what he was. That's what he was saying, and he he was saying in accordance with the law, I'm trying to do this. So I asked him. Are you saying that you were trying to protect James O'Keefe from going to jail or facing fines from the IRS? Is this a serious IRS issue? And then he basically, as I recall, deflected and didn't and said, I don't want to get into legalities. Right. Which is weird because look, whatever malfeasance project Ver- or James O'Keefe does uh, is, you know, malfeasance of the company itself. Like, they, they're not just throwing them under the bus. They're throwing themselves under the bus by coloring what are probably uh, benign, you know, expenditures. Like I looked at them. There's there's nothing there that is that bad. Like at some, like everything that I saw was something that I would expect a CEO of a very popular company that's growing to, to spend. And what they're doing is that they're taking these benign expenses. They're coloring them as these really things of absolute concern and then making these statements and admissions of guilt that the IRS can then use to, you know, destroy Project Veritas's 501c3 status, Hmm. right? Because they're admitting these things. And it's just like they're, and this is the big problem that I have is why are they admitting these things? I mean, they want to get rid of James O'Keefe, in my opinion, so bad that they're willing to throw their own company under the bus, make admissions of guilt in order to uh, muddy the waters and try to turn, you know, try to concern troll uh, James O'Keefe so that um, it looks like what they're doing is, um, you know, out of concern and due diligence when I think that that's just a mask. And that that's my opinion. I think that's a mask. I think that the, this is a coordinated attempt to get rid of the founder. I think that the people that are within the company believe that it's them that are the talents. I think that they believe that they can run it without the founder. Well, and- I think it was the the screenshot of a conversation from Matt Tierman, a board member who was talking. He, that's the screenshot where he was talking about giving a pay raise to one of the employees if they sided against James. But at his last message in that exchange was saying hopefully james will get in line when i look at the screenshots it seems like these people the board members didn't want james gone they just wanted him in line with their mission yeah and which would make sense because honestly 
there is no Project Veritas without James. All the viewers' comments agree. We all agree. Everyone understands that, that he is Project Veritas. And so now the way things are playing out, and based on our conversation with the executive director last night on Zoom, uh, looks like Project Veritas is going to continue to coast right now with its existing donor dollars, which is a lot, by the way. Yeah. They're going to slowly gobble those dollars up and then die. That's the end of Project Veritas because James isn't coming back. By the way, let me let me bring up James tweeted today, you guys, and he is already getting tips on his own now. He's created his own tip line. Uh, O'Keefe tips at protonmail.com. Yes, I love it. <laughs> So he's not, you know, he he's not wasting any time, and and I think that this is um, what we saw coming. Um, I love <laughs> look at this comment at the bottom, you guys. They're now viewers are now spelling Project Veritas with a PF like Pfizer. Uh, Veritas. <laughs> um, because a lot of people believe. <laughs> believe that it is now paid for by Pfizer as retribution for James's huge story on Pfizer shortly before the fallout. Well, you know, I want to say something about the, the allegations of inappropriate spending. The one that James brought up in his interview or in his um, statement to his employees was about the, um, possible wedding that was supposed to take place in 2019, 2020 or something. And that he was helping his friend. He took a jet and he was helping his friend with the boat. When, when they listened to our meeting yesterday and they said 2019, 2020, I'm like, really? And my, my opinion was like, we're bringing up something from three years ago. When James also said that they get audited every year by an outside company. So that was already audited and done with that, that appeared to be reaching to me. Like were people not listening to that, you know, that you're, you're saying a $14,000 jet that he took and he helped a friend with the boat. Well, James said he came back with a couple million dollars on that trip from donors so what the dude can't like stop and help his friend with the boat. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't think the American public cares about that. And to yeah. me, that was, that was, um, reaching. This reaching is what you have on this guy, you know, yeah. and I, and I, you know, having gone through investigation with the government, I literally had to sit back for 15 months thinking like, oh my God, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? What are they going to pull out of, out of the air against me? Thankfully, there was nothing that showed up, but I hope, you know, that the same holds true, you know, with James and his situation, because you can always find something. You can always find something. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, for people who saw James's video, uh, after, as he was walking out of the office there, he made the statement to his staff that he was he was brought up the wedding thing like, this is weird because I've never been married and they're accusing me of this. Well, Daniel Strack last night on his Zoom with us whistleblowers explained that apparently James was planning a wedding with his now ex and had made a deposit, some sort of like down payment on the wedding. So, and that he's it, saying, it got canceled or something. I felt so through, there and is then there, he got, there. 
recording. Well, no, he got reimbursed for it and it was used as a venue. And so whatever issue that, um, that they, they had, you know, got resolved and the issue evaporated. And that's the thing. I don't even know, like, mm. did he get, did he pay for the venue and then got reimbursed in order to use it as a party for project Veritas? I'm, I'm unclear, but even in the worst case scenario, it's not a crime. It's not malfeasance because the expenses were used for a project Veritas party for the mm -hmm. staff. So it wasn't used for a wedding they had the obligation to tell us the true story. And instead they colored it in the worst possible way so far that it was misinformation. And that's the problem that we have with this is that, you know, this company continues to give misinformation to us whistleblowers about what the hell is going on. And they're also giving misinformation to the public about what's going on. Yeah. One of the first uh, financial things Daniel Strack brought up last night was this thing of James saying he's, he's taking a private jet to meet, meet with someone in regards to work. And it was actually to fix his personal boat. And that could have been, you know, just wait an extra day and take a normal flight. Um, so who knows? But they do. They seem to be nitpicking at little things here because if you look, I mean, if you look at the numbers, they uh, the screenshot that was also released uh, leaked on Monday was the the uh, financials that Project Veritas made twelve million in donations in 2019 and then twenty two million in 2020. So huge monetary growth. But I also I don't know the legalities with. Uh, the IRS and to what extent frivolous spending is going to get you in trouble with the IRS. I can say that from my experience in um, working very closely with Project Veritas when I was working on, on, on exposing my story with Fox back in 2021 is that people seemed to be um, pr really cognizant of their money. I know that the undercover journalist I worked with, she, you know, I feel like James had even, offered, you know, oh, just, you know, it's okay. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want to waste money. There, there were small conversations about that. And also seeing James's personal car that he drove, it was not a very nice car. So it didn't seem like James was too frivolous with his well, money. And, and I think the American, I mean, this man, what do they, what do they say? Travels 300 days out of the year. I mean, He's I don't busy. think that the American public would care if he didn't take commercial flights every day when you're having to go to multiple cities. I mean, truly, every single person that has called me or talked to me, they're like, I don't care if he is taking a jet every day, like buy one buy one, have your own airline stewardess. You know, I mean, you're, you're, he's always traveling. I, yeah. to me, it, it just, the, the dude only makes $400,000 a year, like something of that stature of someone that's like, you know, leading a company like this and bringing in all this money, he should be making at least a million and a half. Yeah. And so, no time to spend it. Yeah. No time yeah. to spend it. So this as, as that, Gary Franchi said, like James deserves to enjoy the fruits of his labor a little bit more actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of his supporters feel the same.
right. that he should be enjoying some of this money. But the way Daniel Strack portrayed it last night is like, well, if the they're recklessly outside the lines and it could get be an issue with the IRS. So I'm just like, I don't know what's true. I do know that now that I'm independent, I'm an LLC owner, and there definitely are rules about spending with LLCs and just where, which bank account the money goes to before you spend it and things like that can, can make or break your LLC status and, and whether the IRS likes you. So I don't know if it's some technicality like that, but my takeaway from last night is that my suspicions of it being an ego thing, I, I still believe that. I think it's a big ego thing uh, between all parties involved right now. I, I'd really, I do lean against it being some conspiracy with Pfizer. I, I'm just not seeing the evidence of that at this point. But I think it's a coup by Matthew Tyreman. That's that's what I think. I think that he's really? been wanting to do this for a while, and uh, he's now making his move. Um, you know, like he used they used like there's a lot of pictures. They've known each other for a very long time. Um, you know, Matthew Tyreman took down all of his Instagram photos with James. Really? Um, when did he do that? I was told that he did this in the last few days. So. Oh. So it's, I, this feels like a uh, like a relationship breakdown. Breakup. It's a relationship now. breakdown. I can't it's stand like a his face. Thing. I'm deleting him from my IG. Yeah. Right. <gasps> wow. And and I know that they've been friends for a very long time, but um, you know, uh, like some of us get a bad feeling about Matthew Terman. Like I, I I like the guy. I you know I think he's really funny. Uh, I enjoyed my time with him. But at the same time, there was just something about him that just didn't sit well with me. And I've heard other stories about a time in Poland where um, I guess an entire group turned against him. And then he he like sued them for defamation and lost. And so really, yeah, this is what I was told for people not familiar with Matt. I just looked up his IG, Matthew, Matthew, here he is. No more pics with James. Yep. I don't but even know who he, he is. He likes Ted Cruz though. So yeah, Matthew, I do know Matthew from 2021. Um, he was closely associated with James and uh, yeah. And he's in the baking class too, right? Like he comes from finance. Oh, and, really? And, and, you know, <laughs> Steve Bannon has said that none of the board members are welcome back on his show ever again. That they've right because Matthew supporter. used to appear with Steve a lot, right? All the time, all the time, all the time, and now he's and now he, he's obviously gone. look if he's been appearing regularly with Steve, that means he and Steve historically see eye to eye, and this is my opinion that I think that with the end goal that James and his board members like Matthew do see eye to eye as far as. Let's save America by seeking truth, shining light on corruption. But the maybe personality disagreements or the or business structure disagreements or something like that is what's happening right now. And and for my opinion, listening to Dan talk about how he believes that the structure of an organization that has a stature of Project Veritas should shift and the CEO is usually not the visionary and that, you know, he did notice that there were, you know, personality issues and maybe some, you know, 
bad, bad feelings amongst the people in headquarters because he didn't say that it was the undercover journalists that were having grievances. He said it was in the, in the, um, at the headquarters, right? The administration people. And, you know, for me, when I asked him that question, it was like, okay, these are all very valid points that you make as somebody who has um, been, you know, in an organization. Am I going, do you hear me? You're, you're still good. You're still oh, okay. Um, that, that was very valid points. But I asked him, did you have this conversation with James prior to taking the job? Did you say that you saw the vision of the company changing? Because I could imagine if you didn't, that's why James was like, wait a second, are you guys trying to take my company away from me? And and allowing these employees to come into a board meeting without going through the HR process. Hmm. You know, the board members aren't equipped to handle these grievances. They should have been vetted out. He said they have an amazing outside HR company that they utilized, um, hmm. but they didn't utilize it in this situation. Uh, yeah, he said early on in the Zoom call last night uh, with Executive Director James, or I'm sorry, uh, Daniel Strack last night, he told us, one of the first things he told us was, that it seemed like James and the board were speaking different languages. They were, they were talking and not understanding each other. And he identified this early on. And by the way, Daniel Strack last night told us that he's, he's team James. And if James told him to leave project Veritas right now, he would. And he asked James earlier this month, uh, if he wanted him to leave and James said, no, I don't want you to leave. So that's why he's still with project Veritas. That, that's according to him. No, I thought he said that he said James told him no, or the board members asked him. He to asked stay. James O'Keefe whether he should leave, and James is like, no. So when did he ask him? Because he said that he hadn't talked to him. I, I guess it was earlier on this month, early, so, early so in the then It doesn't make any difference, right? Like if it was earlier this month before all before the board meeting happened and they put him on leave, that that. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. Was it before the board put him on leave? And uh, yeah, that's I, I'm. It's unclear to me as well. But he did. He did say in talking because I, I guess Daniel Strack has has built businesses and things. I'm not totally clear about his background, but he said, you know, when a when a startup is new, it's normal for the founder to have have all the roles the founder does everything and he keeps his hands in everything as it grows and then there's a point in the development of a startup where it gets so huge and that's the point that project veritas is at i i just mentioned those numbers 12 million in donations in 2019 22 million in 2020 project veritas has exploded just in the past few years into something really big and there's a point in company history where it, it has to shift to the founder allowing others to help him mm-hmm. and taking his hands off because he physically can't run everything at a certain point. And it seemed like that's Daniel was saying that's, that's what they were working through earlier this year is to help make that transition. And for, some very hands-on leaders who I've had bosses like this, they hate taking their hands off. I, I actually tend to be the same way. Like you want to be hands-on with everything. 
and and you exhaust yourself and and you have to trust certain people but then it's like you really gotta especially in the work james is doing you really better be someone extremely trustworthy and i think it seems like they were duking that out and it and it went south yeah so my question is what is do they have like some sort of secret donor that's come on and said hey look like Mm. you know do this and we'll give you uh we'll take care of your donations like i i I know there's one donor with a whole lot of money starts with a pf (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pfizer or it ends in the OS. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Pfizer has been known to donate a lot of money to different media organizations. Do you know, did they come in and say, PV, we want to donate to you too? You know, that is something that we just we just don't know. But you would think that that PV would never allow someone to enter its organization, let alone its board, who would succumb to Pfizer donations of all things. One of of the things we need to investigate the most. So I want to tell you an inside story that happened in 2018. Okay. So when I approached Project Veritas, um, I actually met Matt Tierman before I met James O'Keefe. And he introduced me to um, an MI6 guy by the name of Kevin, a British guy. And, um, uh, he sent an individual to sort of collect my information and we became friends and that's how I did it. But it turns out that this guy, Kevin, uh, attempted to do a coup on Project Veritas in 2018. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to introduce a, um, he wanted to transform the company from a news organization to a privatized, um, uh, a privatized intelligence that would collect information uh, for big corporations, like do the same mm-hmm. thing, but like, you know, Google's like, Hey, we want to figure out what Apple's doing. So they, they're yeah. able to go in and, and get that. And then it was pay for play. That's what he wanted. He wanted pay for play. And so, um, I met him through Matt Tierman. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, there's some sort of like scheme to transform the company in this way, because like, what are the chances that Matt Tierman's behind both of the, or he's associated at least with behind both of these uh, takeover attempts. And because yeah. Matt was about this guy's transformative mission. He, well, I don't know. I, it's unclear to me, but I know that he was the one that introduced me to Kevin and mm. Kevin ended up trying to do a coup um, mm. six months later for this paper play. And the thing is, is that for some reason, Matt Tierman didn't like suss this guy out. Um, or get a bad feeling about him um, and, you know, invite him into the company. And then James had to do an emergency thing to get rid of him um, and lost wow. a significant part of the company as well. Like wow. they were going to Cassandra. Cassandra's got a crazy story about this. He went to Cassandra and said that uh, the reason why you got outed was because James O'Keefe told his girlfriend and then his girlfriend told someone at Facebook and that's how you got outed. Complete lie. And she figured it out when she like kind of joked with James for blowing her cover. And he was like, what? And then he's like, yeah, this Kevin told me and he showed him the mess, the text messages that Kevin had sent stating this. And so there's been like just complete lapses in the leadership to allow these people with, and and look, people that with bad character, you can kind of sniff them out. Right. And that's the problem is that, the leadership has allowed bad people to come into the company. I think that this is 
been something that's been in play for a while and it's either through gross, you know, uh, moral failings or it's deliberate. And I think that it may be possible that there's some big money. Maybe it's Pfizer, maybe it's the Mercer family or something else. Maybe it's like some big, you know, group that funds a lot of like establishment players that are coming in. And now they're like, Hey, look, it's time for project Veritas to start talking about, you know, drag shows or something instead of like going after, you know, directed evolution. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is big money behind this to neuter project Veritas, turn it into a current thing, narrative news organization and prevent the disclosure of the really damning information that the public ought to know. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I think, you know, we, we have to remember the undercover journalists that are there and the people that are in the office. You know, there was only six of them. And I'm hearing that maybe a couple of them were coerced to sign the letter and um, went back on it. And hopefully they issue a joint statement, the PV team, uh, soon, I hope. Um, but, you know, it's just... There, there's a lot of people that want to do good. And I wish that I could like still support them, right? Because they are the heart of Project Veritas. They are. But if you have people coming in and wanting to restructure and all of that, and we got three of the board members that voted to uh, put him on, you know, indefinite suspension or get fired or whatever we want to call it, not be at the helm. I don't, I don't understand how we can support this organization right now. Yeah. Completely right. agree. Yeah. In fact, it's kind of the kiss of death, like us coming out against this and being in support of James O'Keefe um, is probably going to shut the door to us and project Veritas. And I know that there's a minority of whistleblowers that um, are, um, that are okay with, with what's going on and they want to see and continue on with the company with next steps. Um, I, I want nothing to do with, um, with this, with this new organization without James O'Keefe. They've lied to us so many times in the last week. Um, when, when they got us on a zoom call, they told us that the whole reason why this went down was because there was a disagreement between emailing and calling donors for, that had donated $50,000 and above. What we were told was that um, the, the leadership team in charge of fundraising wanted to make a personalized call to the 50,000 donor um, and above. And James O'Keefe wanted to email them and that, uh, that there was a disagreement. And James was like, do it my way or the highway. And the people were like, okay, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll email them. And then James continued to berate them. Uh, the only problem with that story was it was completely made up. None of that happened. It had nothing to do with an email versus a call. What it actually happened had came down to was the fact that uh, James wanted to reach out to the donors following this Pfizer story. And the fundraising team didn't want to do it. They told him, James, if you do this now, we're going to lose. We, we can make 10 X more if we just wait. Sounds like fucking sabotage, right? Especially given that, you know, look, James may not be the most competent in all the areas of running a newsroom, but he's an expert at fundraising. Like, look, if you're going to tell James that you don't fundraise after the biggest freaking story, hand in your resignation. It's over. 
get out of this office. Like James is an expert in fundraising stuff. Maybe there's some back talk about the best wording for a social media post, but James was completely right. And instead of telling us what really happened, what they concocted was a horse shit narrative that they fed to us whistleblowers. And what that did is that bought our silence because we're like, wow, James is clearly in the wrong. You would definitely want to call people, but you know, that wasn't the story at all. It was a complete wow. lie. And that's the problem is that this, this company is already using deception in order to further its objectives. And that's something that James O'Keefe wouldn't do. And that's the reason why mm -hmm. that I'm coming out against this company and I support James O'Keefe and I stand with James O'Keefe and I know that what he's going to build is going to be successful. And if Project Veritas, you know, continues to operate with its current leadership, it's going to be a neutered organization, a shadow of, of its former glory. And everyone that like the people themselves are going to know this. And I wouldn't be surprised that if Project Veritas stands at CPAC, that the people start booing. And I think that right now, the, the, the leadership is unaware of this turn. I think that they're in an echo chamber. They have no idea like what's going on in the ground. And they're probably in shock. Yeah, they're going to be in shock. And it's going to be shock after shock after shock. And it's going to be demoralizing for them. And I think that right now they're in this bubble of, of de deception. I think they've lied to themselves about, oh, it's not really James. It's, it's actually us. No, it's James's mission. Yes, he's got rough edges. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's about what he delivers to his audience. And, and the trust that he has gained from us, right? There, all of us whistleblowers, we all said and agreed that the reason we came forward is because we trusted James and the organization that he built. Yep. Without James there and seeing, hearing what they had to say, the leaked minutes of the meeting, um, to James store uh, James's uh, YouTube that he delivered to his employees. My position is the same as yours, Zach. I, I I've seen enough. Um, I actually had a very visceral response uh, inside the the same type of response that I had when I found out that the pharmacist wasn't going to fill the order, and I had to call her into my office. I mean, I literally was beside myself shaking and um, that's why I recorded. I mean, I wish I would have recorded that meeting again, because from what I was hearing, I was like, I was just seeing all red. <laughs> and you're, was, you're saying last night you had this yeah, own response to I what you actually shaking. blew the whistle on yeah. with, absolutely, with the government. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so me, Jody, Jody hung up on our Zoom last night, basically like, screw you, Daniel Shrek. I got to run. Yeah, you hung up. I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't listen to the other, you know, like uh, the, the we're a family. And to me, when a family member is in trouble, such as James, you know, being attacked, and we heard their side, we heard his side, somewhere in there lies the truth. And again, I'm not saying James is perfect or anything and that he definitely can grow as a leader. Um, you know, we all can. I mean, what is he, 35 years old? You know, I'm 48 and I'm still learning how to handle people. So I'm much less having an organization that's taken on the biggest evil in the world that grew exponentially over the last couple of years. I mean, that's hard. But 
I stand with James. I stand with him based on what I heard last night and what I heard him say. And they did not make sense to me. And there were a couple of people that spoke in that meeting where I was like, I don't trust you now and I don't trust you and I don't trust you either. And that's why I I had to get off that call because, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, I have my book coming out. There is a part of me who's like, should I even reach out to them and say, Hey, do you guys, you know, I published a book on Friday, you know, can you promote it? But like, you know what, let God do with that, that book, what he will. I, I don't want to be associated with um, a company that did the the guy who why I went there wrong in my opinion, right? Yeah. Okay, so to just to wrap this up, what's next? What's next? Viewers want to know. Um, so look, we're we're in support of James O'Keefe. We we allowed Project Veritas to clarify their statements. Uh, instead, they continue to use deception uh, against us whistleblowers. So. Um, you know, we're going to support James in his next endeavor um, because at the end of the day, we have to live with ourselves. And even if I lose access to being on stage at CPAC, uh, you know what's better than that? Not being a sellout. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to continue to support James. Uh, we can't wait for what he delivers next. Um, and uh, there might be something happening. Uh, stay tuned uh, in the next 24 hours. Ooh. All right. And by the way, uh, Carrie Porch from formerly of CNN, he was, uh, he was having some tech issues. That's why he popped in and out. So unfortunately we couldn't get his take this time, but, um, okay. I'm going to include you guys' social media down in my description mm-hmm. so that people, so the viewers can connect with you guys directly. You can check out Jody's new book. Jody, what's your website? Uh, Jody O'Malley, dot com. There you go, guys. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, and we will, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Yeah. I think it's also important to note that it's not just Zach and I, there's other, there's many more of us that are not on this call that feel the same way. So totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most Americans, I think. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. We'll see you guys later. Thank you, Ivory. Bye. Bye.